You are listening to the Holistic Travel Nurse Podcast. Thanks for stopping in and checking out my podcast. This episode, I have a few things I'm going to talk to you about. A few things I'm going to share. Um, a little bit about aloe, a little things that are on my telegram, a little things that I found online. Um, and then we'll end with the Bible. Um, and where are we at with the... Uh, what's going on in the world so I strongly suggest whoops you uh, stay to the end and so you can get all the content because it kind of put a lot of things into one episode so let's start with this and I want to thank you for some people that have put comments I can't remember their names um, they I do appreciate it I think it was my pod bean or if you do it on um, iTunes and give me a review, more people will hear it. I am just at 10,000 uh, downloads, globally picking up speed in a lot of areas. So I'm encouraged that people are waking up and that are doing your own research and doing what you can t- for your health. Here. Police attacking people. In fact, who is this police officer here? It's Inspector Collins. <laughs> it's Jocelyn. It's the guy. How interesting. It's amazing because I actually knew we were going to meet again. I knew I was going to meet this guy again. Some people might recognize me from the video where I filmed his eyes and from the across the shoulder someone films me with him. <laughs> All this taxpayer money. All these nurses that are too scared to speak out. All these patients that are receiving their care. With him. Any changes in mood since last time we met? Do you can't remember what the mood was when you were attacking peaceful protesters? Definitely wasn't doing that. Definitely were. Is that what you're trained to do, attack peaceful protesters? Is that part of the tactics? I don't know it's not because I see I see you attacking peaceful protesters. That's what I see the police doing. Do you think we should be forcibly injecting people? Mandates? You do realize the difference between choice and coercion? Is coercion illegal? Is it ethical? Is it moral? Do you know what? I knew we were going to meet again. I told everyone. I said, that, that Consul Jocelyn, we're going to meet again. I knew it. And I really hope that I made a difference to him because when I said about nieces and nephews and children, I felt something hit. Felt something hit there. So I think when the children are involved, guys, you can't keep on following orders. It is going to impact generations. It's going to impact your children. It's going to impact your children's children. Simply following orders, it never goes well in history. Anyway, that's me, guys. It's Jenna Platt. I will see you all soon. I got a little bit emotional then. I knew I was going to see him. feel a little bit emotional now. I just get really mad because it's just so unjust what's happening. And simply following orders just has never worked well in history. So I'm going to go. I'm going to compose myself. And I'll see you later, guys. Bye. That's a nurse that stands up in the UK. So we love that. We love, love, love hearing Nurses standing up. Here's another one of uh, uh, someone who's been injured. After I received Moderna in March, people like me exist. And the reason that you're not hearing about it is because we're being censored. I have my whole life in front of me. I have two children that wish that I was the way that I was before, which is something that they're never going to get back. For my diagnosis, of first onset multiple sclerosis after vaccination. My meds, the ones that did get approved, are over $6,000 a month. The social media and the government try to brush people like me under the rug. I've always had a heart to speak out about things that were not right. It's an injustice. Um, on a large scale, all these nurses and other people working, dealing with this mandate, when this is not a one-size-fits-all situation, when you're not readily disclosing information, you are not 
receiving informed consent. I wish that I would have known that demyelinating disease could occur after vaccination. This is nothing I had ever heard of prior to um, my illness. And there are much more um, adverse events that are happening that you're not hearing about. Not a super rare statistic. I don't want to be treated like one. I don't want to be censored anymore. I'm going to keep speaking about what happened to me and trying to do my part um, to let you know that this can happen and it is happening and we are real and we do exist. Those are the people I think about that might have had a very rough Christmas. Um, and uh, here's another one I want you to hear. My name is Colette Martin. I'm an RN of 17 years, 12 years oncology. and the past five years, I've been a float resource nurse to all the different floors in the hospital. I'm extremely concerned with the idea of mandating this vaccine for our children. The reactions we're seeing in the hospital with adults are terrifying and they're being ignored. Yep. Just some examples of post-vaccine reactions are blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, encephalopathy, heart arrhythmias such as atrial fibrillation. Also in the elderly, we're seeing an increase in falls, syncope, acute onset of confusion with unknown ideology. Also, two young and healthy co-workers I know have vision changes, tingling and numbness to lower extremities they're still dealing with. Another co-worker developed DVTs. I personally had a patient die three months after his vaccines of pericarditis, which we know is a known side effect. Diagnosed 30 days after a shot, no mention to VAERS. Majority of our nurses, nurse managers, and some doctors do not even know what VAERS is. I've spoken to our chief of medicine, managers, other nurses on why we're not reporting to VAERS, and the most common response is, what is VAERS? It's a topic that's very difficult to address in the hospital setting. I bring up my concerns and repeatedly get dismissed. I've been told, I'm sure someone is investigating this. Well, if we aren't, then who is? Especially since Pfizer ended their study just six months after the um, trial started. I also have been told that VAERS isn't the best indication of vaccine side effects. Well, if that's the case, what are we supposed to be looking at? Over 18,000 deaths, a million permanently disabled, and the CDC admits only 1 to 10% of reactions are even being reported. And we know that hospitals are not reporting anything. This is not just where I work. I have many nurse friends in lo other local hospitals in the southeast Louisiana say the same thing. What I also find is highly disturbing is our treatment protocol. I truly believe our protocol is killing our COVID patients. When I ask other nurses their thoughts, they agree. At this point, doctors will admit our main treatment is not working, but it's all we have. We know that's simply not true. It's just what the CDC will allow us to give. Our hands are tied. Back to our children, though. We have chemotherapies that we know have side effects causing blood cancer, such as leukemia, in 10-plus years after giving the drug. We know this because we have real long-term trials on these drugs. We are not just seeing severe acute reactions with this vaccine, but we have zero idea what any long-term reactions are. Cancers, autoimmune, infertility, we just don't know. We are potentially sacrificing our children for fear of maybe dying getting sick of a virus, a virus with a 99% survival rate. Our children are not even at risk for this. As of now, we have more children that's died from the COVID vaccine than of COVID itself. And then the health department to come out and say the new variant has all the side effects of the vaccine reactions we're currently seeing now. It's maddening. And I don't understand why more people don't see it. And I think they do, but fear of speaking out and even worse, being fired. They simply, this is not something easy for me to come up here and speak about, but I feel deep conviction about speaking truth and what the nurses are seeing behind those hospital walls. This is not about adults who can choose to research or not. This is about our helpless children. And when I look back on this in 20 to 30 years, I have to know that I did everything I could. And I'm asking you to please ponder this. What side of history will you be on? I have to know this madness has to stop. Wow. See? Wow. That was, a, um, to me, a, we need more people doing that. And that none of that shit's being covered. We actually watched a little of the news yesterday because we've had a lot of crazy weather in Oregon where I'm at now and um, the Omicron, Omicron, Omicron and then they replayed the same video over and over as they just say the same thing, local news whatever, you are being fed propaganda 
if you're watching the mainstream media, you're being fed propaganda. And you know the ones that are going along. So testing, okay, sorry, my um, microphone became disconnected right in the middle of talking. So I just pause it and then restart it. Let's see if I can get this video over here to play. Here you go. vaccination policy for every single human being, including extremely low risk so people. I saw in your opening statement that you're actually doing a study on natural immunity. Is that right? That's right. With private funding, Johns Hopkins, my research team is doing a study. Other countries have done this study. Is that, is that correct? Uh, most of our learnings come from Israel and other countries. Yes, sir. The Israel study is the largest study done worldwide, and it found that natural immunity adjusted for age and comorbidity is 27 times more effective than vaccinated immunity. The scientists in our government at the at CDC and, and, and NIH, they don't account for that. They don't talk about that. They, what, what do they say about that study? They never talk about it um, unless asked, but I would say that they are doing worse than being absent on the topic. They are undermining natural immunity through two studies that the CDC did that are so flawed that are so uh, poorly put together, honestly, they would not qualify for a seventh grade science fair. We can spend money. Some of that 58 billion and some of the resources at NIH and CDC can be used to fund gain of function research and give a grant to EcoHealth, who then sends some of that money to uh, a lab in, in Wuhan, China. That's just fine, but we can't find any resources to deal with a fundamental question about natural immunity. And so much so that you have to go out and get private funding to do it yourself. It's either they know the answer and don't want the American people to know, or they do know the answer and are trying to hide. That's Jim always uh, asking the right questions. Always. So, yep, there we go. There's that. Now let's completely change because I don't, there's just so much negative. Uh, something positive. Let's something health. I have two books that I really love. You know, I've been reading a lot about the transdermal magnesium and I've been doing more transdermal magnesium on myself. I've always done the um, soaks in the bathtub, but I found that actually when I rub the oil in a lotion form, because the oil is very tingly if you buy it in a lot of different places. So I'm learning how you can make your own concoction. I bought another concoction more based with um, shea butter and that shea butter... And I put it on at night and uh, I'm having less discomfort even when I was eating things at the, as the holiday season can be that are not good for my body that cause more increased inflammation. All right. Um, now next we're going to talk about aloe. And this one book that I have is The Miracle Food Cures from the Bible. So God intended us to live not by some injection. Um, I thought it was interesting that the word aloe is um, derived from an Arabic alohi, meaning the bitter, shiny substance. Only aloe with aloeine um, is a drug that have an actually healing power. There are oh, there are three hundred different kinds of aloe um, that are readily available. I, I I see the aloe plant a lot here. I don't know if you've experienced it my mom had it growing up and would cut it off and put it on as a burn the resin it's better than just getting it made you want the actual plant um, aloe vera is known as the alobartitis referring to the island of barbados where it once grew abundance interesting so more of a tropical area type of plant i have a couple of them um, in texas and like because there's remember there's 300 different types of aloe 
The third um, aloe is aloe florex, which is an originator of South Africa. So we have that plant that's in South Africa. We have three different ones. Well, also one um, closely related is aloe certenin, named um, in Scotland near Yemen. The aloe of the New Testament used on Jesus's body. It has a distinct smell and a fragrance and applied with myrrh. They used it in the burial clothes. Interesting. All true aloe has a similar characteristic so that um, that what the New Testament said. Remember they used it when in, um, wrapping it around Jesus in the cloth. So it was myrrh and aloe mixed together that were in the cloth and they wrapped the bodies with it. Probably, I don't know exactly the reason why, um, as a way to keep the body from smelling and decom I don't know, but it has a long history um, of being astonishing facts and things. There's another book right here. Look at that. And then there's this letter about how this plant saved a life. I'm going to read that too. But in my other herb book, it talks about um, any Egyptians used it and knew it was um, a med medicine at that time that it uses topical for um, burns for years, anti-inflammatory, and it has some vitamin C, vitamin E, and vitamin um, B, beta carotene, and it, it contains where it helps on the immune system and it's great topical. So if you're thinking skin, it's another thing to apply when you're dealing with some major skin issues and have a concoction and have your own plant that it's really inexpensive to own the own plant and have it inside in a planter. Um, astonishing facts um, about this Bible plant. Most people are familiar with the aloe reputation as a healer for the skin, but, but not commonly known as aloe vera can be ingested in a juice. We're seeing a lot more of that. You, you see it in a lot of places. Um, users call its all natural elements um, regenerate the internal tissues and the organs in the same way it does on the skin. Taken internally, it's said to have a healing effect for arthritis, ulcer, diabetes, and more. Testimonials on medical um, benefits of using aloe juice internally tend to once come to come mostly to arthritis suffering, who claim great mobility after relief of pain and swelling. Other reports remarkable relief from stomach ulcers and gastritis problems. Some diabetes claim that there needs to be an insulin with reducing elements. The aloe leaf produces two substances, a yellow or a reddish sap called um, latex. It is a bitter, irritating to the... It doesn't taste well. You ever had it? It does not taste well. Um, I'm going to go down to this other paragraph here. It says, How the Bible Plant Saved a Life. In a popular newsletter, Dr. Julian Whitker, MD, tells the story of a 10-year-old boy who was diagnosed with a rare brain tumor. Um, surgeons were unable to remove the entire tumor. And it continued to grow and press out. The progression was dismal. A friend suggested that the boy drink aloe concentrate. Out of desperation, the parents had him drink eight ounces of daily um, to drink. Ninety days later, the surprising to his doctors and the elimination of his family, Steve's tumor was the total in total remission. Today, he is quite normal about continues to drink the aloe juice every day. Although aloe juice is available in many forms, juice, gel, concentrate, capsules, this strong, bitter, the whole leaf is... Um, best one to two ounces a day is good product a good product and used to maintain the dose I would recommend an eight ounce a day for acute illness he says that was really interesting it has the ability to kill certain bacteria fungus and viruses as the ability to dilate capillaries increase blood supply to a treated area when applied to an injury in a tissue or the sap of the juice penetrates the tissue relieving the pain and healing is anti-inflammatory it speeds up helium production of new cells 
One research claims that aloe works because it contains at least six antiseptic agents. Lupinal, citrus acid, urina nitrate, cannabinoid acid, pheno, and sulfur that eliminate many internal and external infections. He says that the first two plus magnesium are high effective analgesics, which also aloes good painkiller. But the three anti-inflammatory fatty acids, cholesterol, chemesterol, and beta-psychosterol, make aloe smoothing to the stomach and the small intestine, liver, colon, kidney, and pancreas to help with rheumatoid arthritis. Interesting. So I found a couple different companies when... um, It's something that my husband, I've wanted him to take. I don't think he's been doing it at home with a little shot glass. There's a couple different aloes that I like that are organic, the brands that I've used in the past that have been beneficial and um, taking it in. And there are a couple different brands out there that I trust when it comes to capsule form. Not a lot of them, but there are a few. I decided, you know, I've been studying um, prophecy with everything that's going on in the world. I think that you have to have your eyes open to what the Bible says and um, what's going on. And uh, I've been listening to the Bible, um, listening to it now in the message form. So that's what I'm going to do. And then I found Chuck Missler online, old um, guy, talk about the revelations in uh, chapters and, and a study that is very intense that that I strongly suggest maybe listening to his too with along with reading the Bible and then reading others because um, he goes and says that either there are people that believe in the rapture that we're going to be raptured before the tribulation or that it's not going to happen either way it doesn't really matter we shouldn't um, dwell on those things we should dwell on what the Bible says so we're going to listen to Romans chapter 1 in the message form Revelation chapter 1 a revealing of Jesus the Messiah God gave it to make plain to his servants what is about to happen he published and delivered it by angel to his servant John and John told everything he saw God's word the witness of Jesus Christ how blessed the reader how blessed the hearers and keepers of these oracle words all the words written in this book time is just about up his eyes pouring fire blaze. I, John, am writing this to the seven churches in Asia province. All the best to you from the God who is, the God who was, and the God about to arrive, and from the seven spirits assembled before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, loyal witness, firstborn from the dead, ruler of all earthly kings. Glory and strength to Christ, who loves us, who blood washed our sins from our lives, who made us a kingdom, priests for his father forever and yes he's on his way riding the clouds he'll be seen by every eye those who mocked and killed him will see him people from all nations and all times will tear their clothes in lament oh yes the master declares i'm a to z i'm the god who is the god who was and the god about to arrive i'm the sovereign strong i john with you all the way in the trial and the kingdom and the passion of patience in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of God's word, the witness of Jesus. It was Sunday and I was in the spirit, praying. I heard a loud voice behind me, trumpet clear and piercing. Write what you see into a book. Send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I turned and saw the voice. I saw a gold menorah with seven branches, and in the center, the Son of Man, in a robe and gold breastplate, hair a blizzard of white, eyes pouring fire blaze, both feet furnace-fired bronze, his voice a cataract, right hand holding the seven stars, his mouth a sharp biting sword, his face a perigee sun. I saw this and fainted dead at his feet. His right hand pulled me upright, His voice reassured me. Don't fear. I am first. 
I am last. I'm alive. I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's doors. They open and lock hell's gates. Now, write down everything you see. Things that are, things about to be. The seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven-branched gold menorah, do you want to know what's behind them? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The menorah's seven branches are the seven churches. To Ephesus. Okay, so that is chapter one of Revelations. And now I'm going to go a little and share a little bit of Chuck Missler. If you've not been watching, we've been watching The Chosen and we, my husband's never even seen it. We started with season one and it's, it's really good. If you've never seen The Chosen, um, you can get the app and see it. It's a little on YouTube too, but, um, it's good stuff. It's good TV to watch since there's just propaganda. And I see the propaganda even in shows now that I have a hard time watching TV now and enjoying the TV. I did go see Spider-Man and, uh, thought, wow, um, it was pretty good. Go see all the other Spider-Mans first, and then that Spider-Man, which I did enjoy. His mercy. Okay, so we're going to go Hebrews back. 4, 16, Wait. Trump of God. Wait. Sorry, I want to make sure you're going to get chapter one. And part one. Let's see. We're going to do this one a little bit. Okay. Koinonia House is a nonprofit Christian ministry that is supported by the purchasing of materials and donations. To learn more about Koinonia House and the materials that we have available, visit khouse.org. And please be responsible in the sharing and dissemination of this information and respect the copyrights therein. Thank you. Well, welcome to our second session as we explore the realm of angels. And, uh, in the previous section, we talked about the realm in general, and we highlighted what we call the Berean challenge. And that's to, first of all, set aside our misconceptions. You know, all of us inherently have perceptions coming from fiction, from traditions, uh, from uh, literature, about angels. And so a part of our problem in, a, in taking a subject like this is to set aside our misconceptions about our physical reality. Most of us have been substantially mistaught uh, by the uh, misguided uh, programs in schools. Uh, we haven't taken advantage of the advances of science where we've learned a great deal, some shocking things about the reality of our, what we call our reality, our physical reality. And uh, we covered some of that in the first session to try to set a, a groundwork against which to try to understand this strange world that I call the metacosm, that world which is beyond the specific boundaries of the reality that we experience. And so we're now going to, in this session, move into biblical angels. We're going to talk about their characteristics and limitations that we know from the truth of the Bible. And uh, we'll talk about some of the specific major players we encounter there. So session one was just the groundwork from last time. This time, we're going to get right into biblical angels. Uh, not fiction, not English, uh, English literature, not the silly little things you see on uh, Christmas cards or, or Renaissance art and so forth, but the reality of these creatures that are incredibly powerful and are there to minister to us, strangely enough. We need to understand that. Biblical angels, and uh, the first thing we have to focus on, what do we know for certain? We're not going to rely on occult literature. We're not going to rely on the non-biblical sources that pervade our libraries. But uh, there are ancient records that support the concept of the Nephilim, these strange hybrids of the past. Every major culture deals with those, and we'll be talking about that after we set a little more groundwork for it. But we're going to focus on the biblical sources, the Holy Bible, as a, a uh, source of information that has uniquely confirmed itself by the fact that you can demonstrate that its origin is uh, of extraterrestrial origin. It is, it is uh, supernatural in its source. 
And it, of course, talks about angels all through it. What can angels actually do? And uh, we're going to talk about their capabilities and also what they can't do, some of their limitations. And so we're going to talk about some super angels, angels that are extraordinary, called cherubim and seraphim. Uh, we'll talk about guardian angels. I always thought that was just a, a nursery tradition. No, it turns out they're biblical. Jesus makes reference to them and so forth. So, and we're going to talk about the major star players, two of them that we actually know their names. They have job descriptions in effect, Gabriel and Michael. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go here. But the word angel in the Hebrew, Malach, actually is simply one who is dispatched with a message. And uh, we uh, see that term used 196 times in the scripture. Over 100 times, it's referred to as angels in the sense of a supernatural messenger of some kind. But 98 times, it's just the word messenger. The term can be used just for a messenger, and four times it's even used for ambassadors. So the term has its own ambiguities. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament and in the New, the word is angelos. And uh, that, uh, again, it means a messenger or an envoy, uh, somebody who is sent uh, implicitly from God. And uh, 179 times it's translated angels, uh, seven times just as messengers. And uh, the, the seven letters, seven churches make reference to these. And some scholars think they're just the name for the pastor of those churches. But most scholars, I think, ascribe a supernatural role to them. And so the ministry of angels, what do they actually do? What are they there for? And uh, we know from Hebrews 1 that they continually serve those who will inherit salvation. And if you're one of those, the angels are there to serve you, whether you realize it or not. They're real. It's not just a euphemism or a cliche. They're very alive and real. They uh, reveal unknown truth. There's a number of places in the book of Daniel, also the book of Acts, where angels reveal something you didn't know before. Uh, they give personal guidance all through the New Testament. They uh, protect you from harm. There are cases where you are protected from harm. You may not even realize it. And uh, they deliver us from our enemies and acts uh, several places and so forth. That's their ministry. And uh, it may be invisible, but it's very, very, uh, actually tan has tangible results. And uh, we see angels encouraging and strengthening. Jacob was encouraged in uh, Genesis 32. <clears throat> Daniel, all through the book of Daniel, he is ministered uh, by angels in Daniel 8 and 10. And so we're going to look at some of those specifically for their illumination. Paul, of course, had frequent encounters with angels, and uh, they provided food for Elijah back in 1 Kings. We see them all through the Bible, ministering, helping, providing, shielding, strengthening. And so angels guide us ourselves. We learn from Genesis 19. They encourage us in Judges 6, and uh, the angels deliver us, as in Acts 12 and elsewhere, and they enlighten us, and they <coughs> empower us. Uh, when you have a duty or a requirement, angels often are dispatched to facilitate that empowerment and to protect us. Now, this protection thing um, can be very, very real. And I'm going to recount to you a, a incident that occurred not many weeks ago to me personally. And uh, I was uh, uh, in uh, Auckland for a critical meeting. I, because it was so critical, I arrived there the night before stayed at a, uh, a convenient motel in anticipation of a very key meeting the following morning. <clears throat> I woke up early, still dark, and it was raining, and I uh, went down to uh, the place that would probably open for breakfast shortly. And as I went down there, I did something very foolish. I took a little shortcut, slipped on some rocks, and had a very, very bad fall. And uh, I... Uh, uh, as I realized I had really done something pretty stupid, had a very bad fall, I, re I realized I couldn't see out of my left eye. It was starting to swell. And uh, uh, to make a long story short, I thought I had lost the sight of my left eye. Fortunately, it just got very, very swollen, and, and it turned out later we discovered it wasn't that serious. But we also, when I later uh, talked to doctors, it was clear that my glasses had protected my eye from any damage. I had a very, very severe head shock, but it uh, 
um, there was no damage to the cornea or the retina, any of that. There was no actual eye damage, even though the swelling kept me from seeing for a while. And uh, what protected my eye clearly from the scarring was my glasses. But as I began to assemble the events in my mind, what I was startled to realize as I, after I fell, I obviously had to find my glasses. And uh, my glasses actually, when I finally had enough light to see better and so forth, my glasses were um, oh, more than 10 yards away, neatly put on a little ledge, which I picked up and put on. And uh, later on discovered it was the glasses that had protected my eye from more serious damage. And as we tried to later reconstruct what actually happened, how I fell and what really happened, the more we tried to do that, the more puzzling it was because it was clear that the glasses had protected my eye and yet they were a substantial distance from where I fell. And uh, it may sound very corny and, and, and so forth, but I really believe that I had the experience of Psalm uh, 91. In verse 11 12, it says, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And I was st really startled to realize, as I tried to reconstruct the events of that, the, the darkness of that early morning, uh, that uh, the, the, the protection I had kept me from having a serious injury. Could have been very, very, very serious. I ended up going to the meeting all right. It just looked like I had a a swollen back, uh, <laughs> I've been in a bad fight or something. We didn't realize the seriousness of it until later and, and as the doctors analyzed it and so forth. But fortunately, there was no permanent damage in it. As, and it's also, what's strange is the, the very glasses I'm wearing were the ones that somehow protected my, the eye itself. For what it's worth, it, I suspect there are many, many times there were beneficiaries of intervention by angels that we're not even aware of. And we become aware of that only by really studying and realizing what God is doing and understand his purposes. Now, the characteristics of angels. Angels are not abstractions or concepts. They are actual personal beings. What do I mean by that? They have intellect, we learn from Matthew 28 and 1 Peter 1. Uh, they have emotions. They care. In Job 38 and Luke 2 and 15, we find references to that. They have will. They make choices. They can make bad choices, and we'll discover the, the results of some of the angels' bad choices as we mature in the, in the study a little further. And so, not only are they personal, but they're also spirit beings. What do I mean by that? They are not limited to material bodies. They are distinctive in that they can materialize, but um, they also are not limited to what we would consider a material body. They can only be in one place at one time. They're not ubiquitous. They're not like God who can be everywhere. They have locality, and they can only be in one place at one time. We learn from several passages. They appear, when we see them, they usually appear in the form of men. We don't see any case where they appear as a woman, despite the use of that idiom in literature and so forth. They always appear in the form of men, sometimes in natural sight with uh, human functions. In Genesis 18, we see that, and, uh, and the chapter following, chapter 19. Sometimes the angels are seen by some and not others. And we, uh, we saw an ex uh, example of that in 2 Kings 6 and so forth. We do know they do not reproduce, nor do they die. They can engage in reproductive mischief, and we'll talk about some specific cases of that from the biblical text as we go. Now... They do have physical reality. We need to understand that. They lead people by the hand in Genesis 19. They actually indulge in combat. And there's a rather remarkable case of that in 2 Kings 19. Let's take a look at it here. Where they slaughtered 185,000 Syrians. In 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 35, it indicates that it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians, 104 score and five is the old English way of what we would say today of 185,000. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So this was a serious assault. In fact, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, never after that ever attacked Jerusalem again. It was under the unique protection and uh, that was a, a, a major event 
in that adversary. And so Sennacherib never again uh, undertook an invasion of Jerusalem. They had previously wiped out the northern kingdom, but in going against the southern kingdom, uh, God, God protected them. We're advised in the New Testament, many of us have entertained angels unawares. That's a very strange idea, but it's in Hebrews 13 too, where Paul tells us, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Strange idea. Not only can they appear as people, we could mistake them as people. They're able to do that. That's a capability they have. And uh, that may be strange in the absence of the background we gave you in the first session, but we'll keep moving here. And uh, angels have attributes in a degree greater than man, but less than God. We make mistakes both ways. Um, they have more knowledge than man, but less than God. And they have more power than man, but less than God. So it's, uh, on the one hand, we need to understand their reality, but we also need to be sensitive to their limitations. And uh, angels are organized. They're not random individuals on assignments. They are ranked and organized. One, there's one archangel. We use the term archangel. There's actually one. His name happens to be Michael. And he's named in, in uh, Jude 9, and he shows up in Paul's letters also. And uh, there are also chief princes. In other words, in some sense, some are more senior than others. We'll explore a reference to that when we get into Daniel chapter 10. And uh, there's a certain kind of angel that we call a cherubim. In the Hebrew, I think it's cherubim. It's, a, it's it got a, a, a hard C, but we have a tendency to take the CH softly, the cherubim. A cherub is singular. Cherubim is the plural. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a cherub, biblically, is not a little plump baby with wings, as is so often characterized in Renaissance art. That's a literary fiction concept that uh, it is, it is, it couldn't be more distant. Uh, uh, it wouldn't be possibly be more distant than that. Uh, the reality is, and, and in fact, uh, cherubim are assigned to guard the way to the tree of life when Adam is kicked out of the Garden of Eden. So there's something very powerful and very fundamental about the cherubim. Uh, and uh, in fact, one of the cherubim, one of the cherubs, was in charge of all the rest and got carried away on an ego trip. And we know that one as Satan. And he'll be a, a special focus of our study, of course, as we go on here. We also encounter, especially in the book of Isaiah, in fact, only in this book of Isaiah, a, a uh, a flaming one of some kind called a seraphim. And the very uh, a word implies a source of light, a, a, like he's a, a, a source of brightness. And he, he, we encounter him in Isaiah 6. It's the only place we do. But I, I'll show you why I think that's synonymous with the creatures that we see in Revelation 4. In Revelation 4, we find some living creatures described that appear to be very much identical with what Isaiah called seraphim in Isaiah 6. And so we'll be looking at these more carefully. The major players, of course, there's the first major player I want to talk about is a source of a lot of confusion. Frequently in the Old Testament, we read of the angel of the Lord. And most scholars infer from what we know about them that those references are not angel in the diminutive sense, but it's an idiom of an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ before his incarnation. Um, when you don't really understand something, you give it a fancy name. So scholars call those theophanies or Christophanies. In other words, it's an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Before Bethlehem, before he became a man and dwelt among us, he was able to appear and uh, participate in a number of events. And that when he does so, uh, the term that we find in the text been translated the angel of the Lord. I want to emphasize that because what we know about him, it goes far beyond what we usually find out about angels. And so we'll call the, the theophanies are in a special category, if you will. And uh, But in the realm of angels, as we think of angels, Gabriel is one of the most frequently encountered guys. And we, as we study his uh, assignments and his actions, we discover by inference that he appears to be primarily 
a, a messianic messenger. He's usually announcing something that has something directly to do with the advent of the Messiah, the, the Christ, if you will, uh, in the Old Testament. Okay, he goes on for an hour, about 18 minutes of this study of angels will tie into his study of revelations which i will put in an episode coming up and he goes from session to session and he is very long-winded but he is very very detailed in um laying out his biblical scriptures to tying in what he's teaching and so uh i thought that's uh interesting to note um, when it comes to um, going into the book of Revelations, going into what's going on right now, I thought a little bit study of angels and where we are headed in what we're seeing right now. Because I think that there was a video that was put out that like these, um, the worship of angels, um, and then he's going to tie in eventually what to the demons the fallen angels and their powers and we live in a very spiritual dimension and it makes me think more of the matriarchs more people are awake to the spiritual realm others are not awake at all to the spiritual realm so i thought um of like sharing you know a little bit of that what i've been kind of diving into and what I've been listening and watching then is interesting session so I thought I would share that with you I will go back into the introduction of revelations um, in the next episode coming up so I will go into a little bit of his and you can find them still on YouTube FM I think this uh, pastor's long passed away and then once you listen to a little what I'm going to share with you then I want to have you go to monkey works and he has a conversation and episode um, he's doing the book of revelations with a couple pastors and I thought oh that's interesting to tell what they're saying also to what I've been reading so thought I'd stop there I don't like them too long I hope this was um, a blessing to you and I hope you share it with others.